Get your hands off my child right now. Exactly. I'll punch you in the face. Peter, don't. They say if you watch that video, you die. Ah, that's a lot of baloney. Absolutely. What's the oldest woman that you ever helped birth? Uh, 46. That's so cool. First child? It was her first, it was her first baby. Wow. And, uh, she got sad. married later in life. Like, she met her husband when she was 44. They got pregnant, and yeah, and she had a home birth. It was so beautiful. Yeah. And we're going to be as basic as possible. Yeah. I, I know that an epidural is an injection into the spine. What is the chemical? What is the actual medicine in the epidural that they give you? Um, it's a neurological like blocker that goes into the spinal fluid. So essentially it just it's it's kind of like a spinal block. Um, I don't know the actual medicine, but I can tell you that with an epidural, they also give you fentanyl. Wow. Which is they don't tell you this, right? So part so of an epidural fentanyl in the epidural? Yes, and the midwife decided to break my water for me. Um, and my first wow. kid was in the wrong position. And if they're in the wrong position, when you get your water broken, then the baby all of a sudden doesn't have that cushion to get in the right position because uh, they use the water bag to come so down. So it's not a good thing to have the water broken for you. It's important that the water breaks naturally because the baby, what you're saying, uses that cushion to position itself properly for the vaginal birth, correct? Correct. Interesting. Correct. Very yeah. in God is That's magnificent, isn't he? All you men tune in. If your wives are having a baby, do not change the channel. There might be something, a football game, or Owen Schroyer might be literally serving the death blow to Klaus Schwab right now. But this is important because you're about to have a child and you need to know what to do. And I don't. He's just standing there. I'd like to welcome everybody to the 49th episode of the Adam King Show. I am your courageous host, Adam King, and we got an amazing show in store for you today. It's very different, and I want to start by prefacing why we do the shows that we do here, because there are so many components to the revolution the revolution isn't just about fighting the New World Order and the deep state and taking out Fauci and Gates and all these pedophiles on Epstein's Island and the Balenciaga crew. There's so much more to the revolution than just prosecuting the enemies of goodness. There's also how we're going to conduct our lives and how we're going to live our lives moving forward into the New World. Now... There's nothing more impactful for life than birth. And so today's episode, we're going to focus on birthing. We're going to go through the entire gamut of natural birth. We're going to talk to a certified doula who specializes in healing C-sections so that women can have vaginal births. We're going to learn about what men can do during pregnancy. There's so much to talk about. There's so much to learn, but it all starts at the very beginning of life. 
and that's the revolution that we we are bringing forth is is uh, and, and it's an it's a it's a movement of how to live and what is proper and and what is good for humanity so without further ado i'd like to bring in our guest we have certified doula emmy robin at emmy robin doula on instagram emmy robin doula.com and we have been putting this episode together. She's joined by her little daughter, Georgia. Say hi, Georgia. Hi, Georgia. Hey, baby. Hey. Hey, baby. Hey. Last guest. I got a two for one on the guests today. <laughs> She's going to be going down soon, but until then, I'm just going to hold her. <laughs> well, this is important, you know, because you're a new mother. First of all, when did you give birth to Georgia? So she is nine weeks old. So wow, congratulations. Welcome yeah. to the world, Georgia. Yeah, I had her right here in my house. Wow. Home birth. Home birthing. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're going to get into home birthing. We're going to get into all these subjects as we go down. I'm just a dumb man. I, I've never, I, I don't have any experience in natural birth. I don't have any experience in birthing in general. I showed up to the hospital when my sister gave birth. That's about it. Uh, I don't know the first thing about natural birth. Um, is this your first child? This is my second. So this my first second. was an emergency C-section. And so that's why I did wow. this one. So, so your uh, first was an emergency C-section. I imagine that was not conducted at home. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I, through my first birth, um, I just went down a rabbit hole of education education, mm. education, education. I mean, I was like a sponge. I wanted to learn what happened and why I ended up in an emergency C-section and what I discovered just kind of made me sick, really, um, that it, it wasn't me. It wasn't my body. It was the practitioners. Wow. Um, and this is happening every single day to women across our country, um, you know, mm. with a one in three women will end up with a C-section, whether it's voluntarily or emergency, um, is a really gross statistic. I mean, it's a it's a major abdominal surgery, and it's not fun to recover from. <laughs> Whereas vaginal birth is like, I mean, it's a it's a easier recovery for, for sure. Um, but yeah, to go down that rabbit hole and just educate myself, it became this fire that was lit inside of me. Um, that too many people in this world are not educated enough um, when it comes to birth. We're just taught that it's it's basically treated like a procedure. Like yeah, that's that's how it's tr treated. It's like okay, you know, you're going to show up and and we're going to induce you at 39 weeks, and you know, so I can be there. Like your OBGYN has you know a life too, so they're like, let's plan it at seven in the morning, and you're going to show up, and you know, it's just like another day at the office for everybody that's there, you know, and it's, um, this is, this is a very, um, impactful event in a mother and father's life. You know, like there can either be a ton of trauma, which stays with you for the rest of your life, um, from birth, or, you know, you could be one of those people that has a really great hospital experience. Um, you know, and that's usually just from ignorance is bliss, right? Like they don't realize like when the baby's taken off their chest to get measured and weighed, like that that is a traumatic thing for the baby 
and they're supposed to be staying on mom for two hours, but the hospital just makes it like, okay, let's take the baby, you know? And so people don't realize just the little things that happen um, within our hospital system, you know, can, can cause impactful trauma on the baby or the mother um, or even the father. I mean, I've seen, you know, fathers experience um, birth trauma as well. So it just, like I said, it just lit a, a big fire inside of me to educate people. And so I, really, really appreciate you, especially as a male um, podcast host, being super open to discussing this topic, because I do think the more men that are educated on this, because a lot of guys just think, oh, it's, you know, this is a woman's topic. Like, why am I even learning about this? Like, the wife is going to go in and have the baby. Why do I need to know anything? You know, and it's like, well, you're, you're the, you're the protector. Like, the women need these husbands. You are, you know, you're the you're the strength, you're the protector of the, of your wife, you know, and it's, and, and when a woman is in a very vulnerable state, which when you are giving birth, you are in a very vulnerable state, you know, you're open to suggestion, you're open to anything. You're just like, yeah, sure. Give me that. You know, the man, the more educated that the partner is, I see like the more educated that a partner is, especially in a hospital birth, the better the outcome. Um, it's not just the woman. The man definitely needs to be educated and learn how to advocate because you are, that's what I do for a living. That's a doula is basically like, I'm your advocate. I'm your coach. I am there to help protect you, but I cannot speak on your behalf in a hospital. I can't tell a doctor no, mm-hmm. but the husband can. The husband the can husband say can. no, you're not going to do that, right? Because yeah. if you're educated enough, then then that Get your hands happen. off my child right now. <laughs> exactly. Punch you in the face. One thousand percent. Like if they try to remove the child from mom's chest and mom is just like, oh, my gosh, what's you know, like you're just kind of in shock after you have a baby. So so before we get into that, because I want to get into the first two hours and the importance of the chesting and and if that's even the appropriate term. And I want to talk about all of it. We got (laughs) unlimited time. We're going to get through all of it. All you men tune in. If your wives are having a baby, do not change the channel. There might be something, a football game, or Owen Schroyer might be literally serving the death blow to Klaus Schwab right now, but this is important because you're about to have a child, and you need to know what to do, and I don't know what to do, and I, I, the reason why I'm so fascinated by this and I wanted to do this episode is because I just like fantasize about having children all the time. Like All I want is a child, so I want to know what to do, whether it's a home birth or a hospital birth, whether it, you know... It's, uh, you know, I, I want to pr- protect my woman f- in birth, uh, you know, from a vast array of things that can happen. You know, I, I don't want my, my spouse to be in, in danger or anything like that. Um, and so we're going to learn everything because I have no clue. The first, I don't even know where to begin. So the question that I have for you is what caused the the first we'll start here what caused the emergency c-section to begin with wow it's like it's a very um that's a broad question but i would if i could generalize it I would. how say did you get into that situation i imagine you were planning a vaginal birth mm-hmm. and then a c-section how did it get there so it's what we call the cascade of inter- interventions So it starts with one intervention that seems relatively harmless. Um, And in my circumstance, it was um, I chose a birthing center um, for my first birth, which is a great option, um, but it is still 
a freestanding facility that takes insurance. And we can get into that later because most places that, you know, are going to be under insurance are going to be under hospital protocols, even if it is just a birthing center. Um, so that was kind of my first mistake is I should have just done a home birth the first time. Um, but you know, I, I did have a midwife. What is a birthing center? So a birthing center, they have, sometimes there's birthing centers that are connected to hospitals. Um, those are harder to find in the United States, but a birthing center is midwifery run. So, um, there's the birthing centers that are connected to the hospitals. They are hospital run, but midwives work in the birthing center. So you would be birthing with a midwife versus a OBGYN. And then there's freestanding birthing centers um, that are usually owned by midwives and run by midwives. Um, usually they're CNM, certified nurse midwives, which is what we call medwives in the industry. <laughs> so they still are very um, hospital minded because like I said, they're under insurance policies. So they have a little bit stricter rules versus home birth midwives. Like um, you have to progress at a certain amount of time and this and that before they transfer you to a hospital. Um, so with mine, I just wasn't progressing fast enough. Um, and the midwife decided to break my water for me. Um, and my first wow. kid was in the wrong position. And if they're in the wrong position, when you get your water broken, then the baby all of a sudden doesn't have that cushion to get in the right position because uh, they use the water bag to come so down. So it's not a good thing to have the water broken for you. It's important that the water breaks naturally because the baby, what you're saying, uses that cushion to position itself properly for the vaginal birth, correct? Correct. Interesting. Correct. Very yeah. in God is so, magnificent, isn't he? And I never yeah. even knew that. Yeah, I mean, birth is like, if you want to experience God, you be in the room when, when a baby is being born. Like, it is the most, it's the closest thing to God that you will see. It's amazing. Um and, and, you know, that's another thing is like, we're just medically gaslit all the time to be told that our bodies aren't made perfectly by God to birth babies, right. you know, oh, your baby's too big or, oh, you know, your that's the whole big. argument with vaccines is that, you know, God didn't make you, you know, God is not as strong as these viruses, but it's okay, dumb God. We're smart humans. And we created this little drug. Just roll up your sleeve and uh, you'll be safe. Yeah. I me. mean, we can get into that after birth, but talking about breast milk and breast milk. You well, know. vaccines for babies is a big deal. That's coming up. That'll be in the second segment of this show. But I, first, I want to focus on. Yeah. how we got to the emergency C-section, yeah. the dangers of it, and, and what took place when you were there. So yeah. you're in the midwifery center. They, pop the ba the, they popped your water. Yep. The baby Good. wasn't in the right position. Yeah. And in the process, uh, the doctor, so they rushed you to the hospital. You were in an ambulance. What took place? No, so I, I labored for a little bit longer after that. Cause we didn't, we don't, you don't know that the baby's in the wrong position. You just, from that point on, you know, my cervix wasn't dilating anymore. How um, could they tell that the baby's in the wrong position? Um, they can feel, um, mm. they are, they can feel the top of the head and the plates. They're like really good at 
I mean, they've just felt enough baby heads to realize like, oh, I'm feeling the side of baby's head, not the top of baby's head. Mm. Um, he was what was called asyncletic, which means this part of her was towards my vaginal opening. So her head wasn't coming down. It was like this was trying to come down mm. and you can't have a baby like this because it's, it's not possible. Right. Um, but yeah, so I essentially developed an infection when they broke my waters, which happens when immediately the infection happened immediately within four hours. So they let me labor a little bit longer, let me labor a little bit longer. Um, and I just, yeah, I developed a fever and I had to go to the hospital and at the hospital, they tried to bring my fever down with fluids. And of course, when I got to the hospital, it was like, oh, let's do the epidural. Maybe that'll help you relax. Cause again, they didn't know she was fully asynclinic at this time. They knew when they took her out of me. And you took the, you took the epidural. Yeah. I mean, because at that point I had been laboring for like two days and I was just tired, which now, is now I'm just for what I do know, I'm going to feign ignorance and we're going to be as basic as possible. Yeah. I, I know that an epidural is an injection into the spine. What is the chemical? What is the actual medicine in the epidural that they give you? Um, it's a neurological like blocker that goes into the spinal fluid. So essentially it just, it's, it's kind of like a spinal block. Um, I don't know the actual medicine, but I can tell you that with an epidural, they also give you fentanyl, which is, they don't tell you this, right? So part of fentanyl in the epidural. Yes. They, they have a pharmacy in the hospital, um, and they mix fentanyl in with, your epidural because it's supposed to help you sleep and relax because most women when they get the epidural it's it's to like rest and so um at least these are the hospitals in austin that um i work with they have all the epidural and most epidurals tend to have a fentanyl um it's a very minimal amount but it's still fentanyl within the epidural i'm gonna put the baby down because she's asleep (laughs) good night georgia good night georgia let mommy talk (laughs) um but yeah so with an epidural most of the time the second you get that so that's the second intervention that i had right so the first was they broke my water and then the second intervention that i had was them giving me an epidural so when you get an epidural it's kind of like wait and watch um you notice like they have to give you a bag of iv fluids at that point um and an epidural will usually slow down labor. So then they have to give you Pitocin to speed labor back up. So um, epidurals will cause your blood pressure to crash, not just drop, but crash. So most women, when they get an epidural, it's like your blood pressure will drop to like 80 over 40. And it's, and it doesn't feel good. (laughs) Um, You feel very weird. It doesn't sound so good. I mean, I understand the the desire to want to avoid the pain. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I truly believe in, in the Bible and what the, the Torah, as the Jews, we call it the Torah, what it says that God curses the woman that she'll have pain through from, from childbirth. And like the pain is very important pain that if you do something to obfuscate the pain, the pain will come somewhere else. And so it's important to face it there. There's a spiritual mission for women to face the pain of childbirth head on. And it's not even because it could it could cause spiritual implications to avoid the pain causes could cause spiritual implications that could cause problems later down the line 
that where the woman will feel the pain from her children. So it's best, at least from the Torah and the Kabbalah standpoint, is that feel the pain during childbirth and then it's over and then there won't be pain, you know, with the rest of the situation. That's how, that's pretty much all I know about pregnancy. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, look, you're... Torah or not, that is a very beautifully like spoken way of, of, of childbirth because it's, it's pain with a purpose, right? So you're not just like experiencing pain, like you broke your leg, right? Like there's, there's that video that's going around on Instagram that I see all the time. And it says a woman, um, a a human body can endure 30 something units of pain and a woman in labor experiences 54 units of pain or something like that. Yeah, I've seen those names before. 37 fractures in the body. Like it doesn't feel like that. Okay. Cause you have all of these God. Okay. Emmy, let's be honest. What does it feel like? It feels like a brain freeze in your vagina. Like there's, there's that video that's going around on Instagram that I see all the time. And it says a woman, um, a a human body can endure 30 something units of pain and a woman in labor experiences 54 units of pain or something like that. I've seen those names before. 37 fractures in the body. Like it doesn't feel like that. Okay. Cause you have all of these God. Okay. Emmy, let's be honest. What does it feel like? It feels like a brain freeze in your vagina. Like if I could describe it, that's what it would feel like. Every contraction as it got stronger felt like a brain freeze. So if you go give yourself a brain freeze, you're like, ow, 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 make it go away, make it go away. And then it goes away, right? But when you are experiencing that brain freeze, it's like the worst headache you've ever felt, right? It's crippling for that moment. So for me, that's how I- And then after pregnancy, after the baby- is out out of you does does that pain immediately subside immediately. or immediately Im- immediately goes away immediately that why do you think women i mean i don't think women would do it over and over and over and over again if it was that bad mm-hmm. right i mean yeah do it over again if it was that bad you know let's do it again for my emergency c-section if i didn't go down the rabbit hole of education, I probably wouldn't have done it again. I'm 41, by the way. So let uh-huh. me just say. So how old were you when you had this first birth? 38. You were 38. Okay. I was already treated. So that's another thing is I was already treated as uh, AMA, which is advanced maternal age. They call you They geriatric. call you like geriatric at 38. It's geriatric. so offensive. You're, you're they call 35. it a geriatric birth. What an offensive yeah. thing to say to a woman. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I just, I literally just had my second at 41. So, um, and a lot of the women that I help are 35 to 45. Those are the women that are That's hiring. That's great to know. That's great yeah, to know. The women that are hiring that you're available for older age women. Absolutely. What's the oldest woman that you ever helped birth? Uh, 46. That's so cool. First child? It was her first, it was her first baby. Wow. And- um, she got married later in life. Like she met her husband when she was 44. They got pregnant and yeah. And she had a home birth. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. If so she would have done back, it all, she would have been treated horribly. So getting back to the story. Um, so you're rushed to the hospital. They inject you with an epidural laced with fentanyl that they got from Hunter Biden's dealer. And... Uh, <laughs> What happened next? 
Uh, then, you know, the contractions, they gave me a little time, um, cause I think the IV fluids brought down my fever a little bit. So at that point they didn't realize I had an infection. They just thought I had a fever from, you know, just being in labor for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave me Pitocin to speed up my contractions. Well, when you give Pitocin to a and mother, what is Pitocin? Pitocin is synthetic oxytocin. So again, God is very smart and um, oxytocin is the love hormone. So it's what you experience, you know, when you're with your lover, (laughs) it's the, it's the high, the bliss that you get of love. Um, And during labor, it is a very important hormone. It's like, it's a natural chemical releasing to your body. It's causing the contractions. It's actually what's causing your uterus to contract. Um, And so they figured that out and created a synthetic version called Pitocin. Um, However, Pitocin does not act the same as natural oxytocin. What are the differences between Pitocin and oxytocin and how they act? So oxytocin is going to allow your body to do what it's going to do naturally. Like it's going to contract when the baby wants it to contract. And then Pitocin is actually going to take your uterus and jam it together over and over and over again. So it that causes sounds like it's so much, so much trauma for the baby. Like this is such a heavy experience. Basically Pitocin is causing the, it's almost like the walls are caving in on the baby. Is that a good analogy? Like, most of the time when Pitocin is added, then there is fetal distress. So their huh. heart rate, either heart rate, you know, decels or axels. So it's like it goes up or down. Now um, is the baby in any danger with Pitocin? Um, yeah. I mean. Like, I mean, serious danger. Like, could there be long-term side effects to I mean, babies come out not breathing all the time and, you know, the doctors will, you can't really say why a baby comes out not breathing. They can't say why that's happening, but most of the time, so what I do with my clients is I help break down their birth trauma. And so a lot of the times when a mom will tell me that her birth trauma, um, you know, was the baby came out not breathing and a lot of the times the story is, well, I'm so glad that I was in the hospital. I'm so glad I birthed in the hospital because my baby came out not breathing mm. and the hospital saved my baby's life, right? Well, I can break that down into a multitude of things. A lot of the times when a baby comes out, it just takes a while for them to start breathing. And so keeping them attached to the umbilical cord, which is giving them oxygen, you know, you let that happen and you let them stay on mom's chest and eventually they'll breathe, right? But Um, most of the time when they do come out not breathing, I can say, okay, well, did you have an epidural? And then did you get Pitocin? And it it makes sense that the epidural would cause the baby's heartbeat to decrease also. I mean, it just, yeah, your blood pressure drops, but it also, I imagine that the baby is like mirroring the mother completely the whole time. Yeah. 1000%. And it's numbing everything, right? So Mm. you're numb. And so who's to say that that medication doesn't hit the baby and this baby whose job is to literally wiggle and shake its way down is now, um, you know, super close to your spine, which is having this numbing medication. Um, so a lot of the times when babies get epidurals, they'll come out and the front of their face is numb. So then now you've affected the latch, the breastfeeding latch for a couple of hours because they're numb right here. Mm -hmm. So, 
there's, you know, there's all sorts of different things that can happen <laughs> when you get an epidural. And a lot of women are just like, well, I'm just going to get the epidural because it just sounds amazing. And it's like, okay, I understand that your trauma might be experiencing pain in childbirth. Wow. But you have to understand the risks that are associated with each intervention. It's so, it's so intense too, because you don't think about it. You really just hit it on the head. And yeah. I, I'd like to paraphrase what you just said. That the mother is experiencing her own trauma and not thinking about the baby's trauma at the same time. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. That's a pretty powerful yeah. sentiment. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're laboring, like when I, when I help women with home birth, a lot of the times I'm like, look, your brain is literally connected to your baby's brain right now. So as you're experiencing each wave and each contraction, you know, think about what the baby's experiencing. And so if you're in fight or flight and you have this fear, it's going to cause you to tense up. And so if you're tensing up in fear, then your pelvic floor and your everything's going to tense up and that baby's going to be tense. But if you're welcoming it and you're welcoming the pain and you're welcoming the contractions and you're welcoming the waves, then that baby is staying relaxed because you're not releasing all of that cortisol into your system. And so that baby is like able to do what it's meant to do. And so those are the, the births that tend to really progress and like just be beautiful. And I knew that's what I needed to do with my home birth because I had witnessed 60 plus women do it. You know, I've helped so many women that have had traumatic first births have their what I call redemptive birth afterwards because they went down the cascade of inter interventions and I had to yeah. just let them know like, look, you were made to do this. And if you can just welcome that and welcome it in birth and just trust your baby and trust your body, it'll happen. And it does. I haven't had an emergency C-section on my watch as a doula, which is a very strong statistic. A lot of um, doulas and midwives, you're going to eventually end up with an emergency C-section. But so far, I have not. Can I inherit? And I do feel like it's because I spend a lot of time with my clients just helping them kind of release that fear. Because fear is you know, when you have fear, you're not going to be able to surrender to what you need to surrender to in birth. Right. Mm -hmm. And that goes with the partner as well. I have to work with the husband as well, because if he's afraid, he's going to be more, um, you know, enticed to, to, to when the doctor comes in and is like, well, we should really do this because yada, yada, the husband's going to like, if he has fear, then he's going to, Either he can end easily up get handled by the doctor. Yeah. And He'll if he knows what he's doing, he can be like, uh-uh. Yeah. Stop trying to sell me drugs. I'm buying. Correct. Correct. Yeah. All right. So, so let's get back to your traumatic birth. Let's continue the story. So, well, so heart rate started to meow whenever I got the Pitocin added. And then my fever started spiking again. Okay. And so the Pitocin so caused you to have a fever spike. This sounds, well, yeah, very, this sounds well, like we're entering into some dangerous territory here. Yes. Oh, yeah. I almost so died. So in, in your situation that you were in, what was the likelihood that you didn't make it? Uh, very likely. I almost died. Um, wow. Yeah. By the time they got me to the operating table, my blood pressure was so horrible. Um, I ended up like completely getting knocked out 
um, once the baby was out of me. They gave her to my husband. They were actually going to try to take her to the nursery and like just I would never let my babies go to a nursery after birth. I am so grateful that my husband did what he did. And that's why this is so important that men learn this. Um, But they were like, oh, well, we'll take her to the nursery. because no, I baby doesn't no. leave mommy ever. I said, no, hubby. I said, like, I said no to all these things. And I didn't know what they were going to do if they took her. And, like, I just know that when I woke up, I was in my postpartum room and my husband had the baby skin to skin. Like, he was shirtless and he had the baby on him skin to skin, which is a lot of people don't know. Was the baby washed? Did they wash the baby at that point? No, you don't want to bathe um, a baby for, I mean, if if you're doing it at home, then you don't really bathe them for a couple of weeks. They don't need to be bathed. They don't really get dirty. Um, At the hospital, they'll do it like at 24 hours. But I always tell parents like, you don't need to bathe them. Um, They're born with a protective coat on their skin um, that protects them from a lot of things. And you don't want to wash that off. So, okay. So they put you on the table. Pitocin caused you to trip out. They put you on the table. (laughs) Caused the baby to trip out. (laughs) You black out. Yeah. Now let's explain the C-section. So you're in, you're about to have a C-section. I'm going to feign ignorance again. Yeah. I know obviously C-sections when they cut the baby out of you, but what is the C-section? How do they cut? What does the cut look like? What kind of knife do they use? How many layers of skin do they cut through? What's the story with the C-section? Tell me everything because I don't know anything. Yeah, there's there's seven layers that they go through. Skin, fat, muscle. Um, you know, they have to move organs out of the way. So a lot of the times they're moving like your intestines out of the way. Um, and Wait, just so they cut sure. through and your intestines are exposed? Correct. Holy shit. So there's... There's a couple different ways that doctors do C-sections. Some of them will actually pull organs out, put them to the side, take the baby out, put the organs back inside of you. You're kidding and, me. No. And then sometimes they That will... is so that I, I my mind is blown right now. <laughs> I literally thought it was just like some layer of skin, they pull it back and out comes the baby and everything yeah. is behind because that's how it looks in the cartoons and the medical books. So it's, it all I mean it's it depends on the type of C-section you have. So how what how many times does the organ? What are the probability that the organs are going to come out of the womb? Forget about that. Wait a minute. This is so <laughs> heavy. This is well, so freaking heavy. Postpartum. This is to news it. to me. This is news to me. Yeah. Okay. So the intestines are here. The baby's here. They literally like will push the intestines aside, pull the baby out, and then sew the woman up. Correct. And is that what happened to you? Yeah. And what? And because of that, what happened to me in postpartum, which happens uh, to lots of women um, in postpartum. Wow. So if you're planning a C-section or if you end up having a C-section, this is very, very, very important information to know. You do not eat anything solid until you pass gas or go to the bathroom. Because what happens after is, a C-section or before the birth? No, after. Because what happens? So, would you is, advise people to not eat before birth if they're going to have a C-section? No, you don't. Um, no, they I imagine you, it could cause severe gastrointestinal issues. 
if you're like eating a cheeseburger and french fries an hour before but usually that's not happening if you're planning a c-section um you're usually told not to eat a big meal before you go to bed and then you know you get the c-section in the morning if it's an emergency c-section you're usually not getting cut open like right after you eat a huge meal it's usually like hours and hours after because once you hit a certain spot in labor you're just like not hungry anymore but i, ac I absolutely encourage wow. eating in labor because it blows a my mind what do you think the chances like how if a woman is going in for a c-section yeah. Like, should she ask her doctor, hey, are you the type of doctor that removes the intestines or are you the type of doctor that pushes them to the side? 1000%. You should absolutely ask, you know, how do this you... This is such important information. Why aren't we teaching this in school? Yeah. My mind it's... is so blown right. I did not know that this was going to come out in this episode. <laughs> this is so cool. I'm so excited. Episode yeah. 49 is going to win me an award. Oh, <laughs> this is great. Honestly, this is amazing. Yeah. This is such I'm, important information. I'm so grateful to you right now. Oh. Not like I have a baby on the way or anything, but God willing <laughs> one day. And I want to, I didn't happen. even know this, you know, so many women opt for C-sections because they're told that they're safer. Mm -hmm. now, well, if you look at our country compared to the rest of the world, we are actually third, third from the bottom, meaning the third worst country in the whole world as far as maternal and fetal death why is that the united states of america who's supposed to be the most medically developed country in huh. the world is third from the worst in huh. maternal and fetal death in birth and i truly you... think when you abdicate all responsibility to a doctor you become an experiment Correct. So looking at that, they, people say, well, why do you think that is? Well, because 90% of the world uses midwives more than OBGYNs. So OBGYNs are surgeons. That's what they are. They're surgeons who also deal with the female anatomy, right? So are they trained in physiological birth? Sure. Do they support it? There are a lot of OBGYNs out there that do, but if they truly, if they truly supported natural childbirth, they wouldn't be inducing women at 38, 39 weeks just because the baby was measuring big or, you know, there's just. So the first step is don't induce your baby. Don't induce labor. Don't plan for labor. Let the baby come when the baby is ready. Yeah, Let I mean, the baby take all the time it needs in the womb, absorb all the nutrients and minerals it needs. Don't force the baby out. Don't force the baby to come into the world when the baby's not ready. Right. I get, I understand that. Labor with augmented medicine. Don't. So zero induced labor. We're not I mean, inducing labor anymore. No, you shouldn't. There, there are some medical reasons to induce labor, like really high preeclampsia, but at the same time, like. In, in my body, when I hear a woman is getting induced because she has high blood pressure, I'm like, oh, God, that's just a C-section waiting to happen because Pitocin raises right. your blood pressure. So it's like, oh, right. so you're now getting induced because you have high blood pressure. So you're giving and yourself And I'm sure the C-section costs more money, too. So the Pitocin kind of, you know, it's Anything they give you in the financially advantageous 
for C-sections are financially advantageous. Now, there are women out there, and I've heard women. There are women in my life who have said they'd opt for a C-section over a vaginal birth. Why? Because they're, they believe that it's safer and that it's going to be less pain on them. Uh, I can tell you right now, the C-section, I walked like a grandma for four weeks. My husband had to help me sit up in the bed every time I needed to go pee because I couldn't sit up by myself. I could barely walk. It wow. was the worst so You're saying the trauma of a C-section is way more severe than the trauma of a vaginal birth. Yeah, it's major abdominal surgery. You know, it's so crazy, too, because they literally, and this goes to what I was saying earlier what the, about the Torah, that God says, I will greatly increase your pain in childbirth. And if a woman, and if they want to do a C-section to avoid childbirth, it's like, no, now you got like four weeks of pain. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I have supported women with who choose to do a C-section over vaginal birth. You know, I, they, I had a mom whose baby was breech and she could not find an OBGYN who specialized in breech delivery. And so she felt that her safest option was to do a C-section. And I agreed. Like, I was like, okay, well, if we can't find somebody for you that is comfortable enough delivering your baby, but first then yeah, a C-section is safer so for you. There is an world. there is a need for a C-section. It has an application, but it is a last ditch effort, and it should be. And, and you're saying that it's important that women see it only as a last ditched, uh, a last ditched effort. I mean, every every woman has the right to choose how and, and when she wants to birth, right? Like, I'm not here to say like, you, you should only choose C-section as your last ditch. I'm here to tell you that a vaginal birth is like way easier recovery than a C-section. Um, I mean, I was literally standing on <laughs> my driveway 12 hours after I had Georgia and all of my neighbors, we were just like hanging out outside and all my neighbors were like, what are you doing? Didn't you just have a baby? And I was like, yeah, I feel amazing. Like, so I was 12 just, hours after the vaginal birth, you were yeah. feeling better. And oh, then an a hour month, after I was walking around and just having and a then a month after, and then you couldn't walk for a month after the C-section. Correct. I couldn't sit up by myself. And then what was the recovery process like after the C-section? It was horrible. I mean, <laughs> explain it to me. Get as gruesome as we can. Let's let's give the honest truth. To, there's women. There's millions of women out there who are yep. opting for C sections and truly don't have this information. And hopefully, you know, our partners at Infowars will help us get the word out on the broadcast so we could get the because this is very important information. This yeah. is the revolution right here. This yeah. is where it all the the nuts and bolts hit. It you know. This is where the rubber hits the it, the road. You know, this is the beginning of life is the, you know, that is what is so needed. That's the revolution. How we raise our children, how we bring our children into the world. That's really the, the in Hebrew, the word is ikar. The main point of the whole thing is, so this is very important information. Uh, well, my mind, I first of all, Emmy, Emmy, my mind is blown right now. We're 42 minutes into this segment and I have like f at least three hours worth of questions for you. This oh, is incredible. You, this, is, this isn't even touching like the This surface. might go down as one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. This is Aww. so, I, I don't learn that much. I mean, I learn ever. you know, I have experts on all the time. I'm always talking, you know, it's always about politics. I, I find stuff out. 
My mind is blown right now. This is news to me. I can't even believe that I didn't even know any of this stuff. I feel like well, an idiot. Let me blow your mind even more. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Well, I'm just saying, like, why would a woman want to choose a vaginal birth over C-section? Well, so with a vaginal birth, when a baby's coming out, right, they get um, they get this really good squeeze, right? And there's a purpose to that for them to get squeezed out. And that's really to squeeze the amniotic fluid out of their lungs, right? So when Interesting. a baby, yeah, when a baby's head is like wow. sticking of the vagina before the rest of the body comes out, there's all the fluid coming out of the nose, coming out of the mouth. It's it's just crazy to see and witness. And so a baby that comes out of a vagina has clearer lungs, essentially, wow. right? When so you're the purpose the of off. it's important that the baby gets squeezed in order to clean out all the fluid from the lungs. That's a Correct. part of God's plan for the childbirth. Yeah. So a lot of babies that so what happens to the amniotic? You're probably going to answer that. What happens yeah. to the amniotic fluid in a C-section? Yeah. So a lot of times when they have a C-section, they take the baby out. They'll put the baby on the mom's chest for, you know, five seconds. Hi, mommy. Have some skin, skin time. Okay. Now we need to take the baby over to the warmer because they have to suction a lot of the fluid out of the... You mean the baby the comes into the world for the first time and they stick a tube in its throat and start sucking fluid out? Oh, there's... I mean, when they take a baby over to the warmer to like measure them and do all these... It's so... It, to me, it's traumatic to watch. <laughs> Shema Yisrael. Like that newborn My baby. God. That's this just... is the most sensitive, gentle creature in all of existence. Like yeah. literally you put... You put... Like when you have a baby in your house, every single corner gets a little rubber bumpy on it. You know, every corner of every table gets a rubber bumpy. Yeah. But the second it comes down, they stick a tube in its throat and start sucking the ambiotic fluid out. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Okay. But also, I mean, when a baby comes through the vagina, there's um, there's like this really good bacteria within a woman's vagina that helps protect the baby. Their skin, mm. their eyes, it goes in their mouth, it goes in their nose, and it helps their gut biome. So they, they actually come out with this protective um, bacterial biome. And I wonder if later in life that that also helps digestive issues later in life because yeah. so c-section babies they've actually done research look at her she's so cute it's she's a freaking baby it's a baby on my show hi baby welcome to my show you're gonna be a famous baby aren't you <laughs> so c-section babies tend to have more cases of eczema and asthma and so a lot of skin conditions. So my daughter, my first daughter, she had really bad eczema. And this one is like nothing. Like her skin's like perfect. Mm. Um, and I bet then she smells good. That baby the, smell is like. You. you know what I'm talking about. There's two smells that everybody on earth is addicted to. Baby mm -hmm. smell and new car smell. Oh, God. I like leather. <laughs> I like the smell of leather. <laughs> Those two things like. Get into a new car and you got that feeling. You smell a newborn baby and it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, absolutely. All right. So the, so my thought is like all that bacteria probably goes into the body and colonizes and it's like the only time you can ever access that bacteria is through a vaginal birth. It's not like they can make a, a shot 
or a pill that synthesizes that bacteria. So right. I imagine that that's very vital bacteria for the entire body of a yeah a person can survive it without it but it's yeah. about quality of life not just survival yep and you can actually ask your OBGYN if you do have a c-section to swab your vagina and actually put that with the baby oh that so, is so good to know so and they, they do that section you want a swab of the vagina bacteria with so the baby. ladies out there if you have a c-section Make sure to opt for a vaginal swab. And what do they just put it in the mouth? Um, I've never witnessed it done, but yeah, I would assume they just kind of rub it on the inside of their cheek and the eyes and whatnot. And yep, mm -hmm. yep. Do you exactly. need a moment to feed? You could feed if you want to. We could pause the recording. She's attached. Yeah, hold on one second. <laughs> Come here, bubs. I'm just gonna We're get her on TV. It doesn't get any more real than this, everybody. I'm telling you, man. Like, So when a baby wants to feed, it's important to feed the baby immediately. It is. Hi. Hi, sugar booger. Sugar booger. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Are we done? No. No, she just wants to be up here. She wants to see what's going on. Yeah. She's like, she's like Ma, oh. I want to be a celebrity. No, she's like, what are you doing? There you go. Look. Hi, Georgia. <laughs> Hi, sweet Georgia. You're the perfect distraction, aren't you? She is. All the, you know, there's like these people who watch my show. They're like, they like, they can't believe that a Jew is on InfoWars. They're gonna love this episode. They like how do you <laughs> how do you pigeonhole like all the all the losers out there who just like hate the fact that there's a Jew on Infowars? Oh it's god. been like a it's been a theme. They make videos about me. They take clips and they're like, oh my god, he's an he's an IDF Mossad agent. Yeah, the Georgia and I are are launching a coup in the United States. Georgia, no. are we gonna take over Infowars? Yes, we are. <laughs> too cute okay so we're at the vaginal uh the bacteria um they rub it on the baby yep. the baby squeezed the ambiotic fluid is drained out naturally yep in a vaginal birth mm -hmm. in a c-section it has to be tubed out with a and i imagine that causes now what are the differences in your children like is one calmer than the other because it's like the trauma that occurs early on in life, like for for instance, like um, childhood trauma exists. It gets stored in the body. It exists throughout the whole life. Yeah. Trauma sustained as an adult is a lot easier to heal from than trauma sustained as a child. Even yep. emotional trauma. Yep. Emotional damage. I love that meme. I do believe that what happens to us within the first 72 hours of life like really affects us. Um, so those first 72 hours of the baby's life are the most important hours of the baby's life. They literally set the agenda for everything. the entire life of the child. Everything. Wow. Everything. Um, and just how they're handled within those 72 hours. You know, like, did they get 
the golden hour, which is what I call the, you know, like skin to skin with mom right after baby was born, you know, just. Now is skin to skin with father as important or? Yeah. So if, if they can't skin to skin with mom, they can skin to skin with dad and they will get the biological effects. So skin to skin after birth can, um, can help baby's blood pressure, help baby's blood sugar. Okay. I got a bottle for you that I pumped. Let's do that. They can help baby's blood pressure. They can help baby's blood sugar. It can help their heart rate. Um, their heart will actually start beating in sync with mom's. So it's like, it's amazing. It <laughs> um, is really a beautiful, natural phenomenon. It's insane. And they've done studies where they've placed baby on strangers and then they've placed a baby on mom and on dad and they respond so much better on mom and dad. So wow. dad is actually just as beneficial as mom. So for some reason, the mom can't do skin to skin. Um, being skin to skin with dad is very important. My husband knew that <laughs> before the baby was born. And so as soon as they tried to whisk her to the nursery, he was like, no, thanks. You can give her to me and I'll take her to the room with me. And so for two hours, she was skin to skin with my husband and she's definitely daddy's girl. So <laughs> I don't know if that, that did something, but she so the is first daddy. one is the, the, you have two girls. I have two girls. Two girls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So getting back to the C-section and the traumas yeah. related into the C-section. So you, um, C-section knocked you out for four weeks after four yeah. weeks. Were you fully recovered or was there still recovery to do? Oh no, there was still definitely recovery. Uh, to so four, you're saying four weeks was just till you were able to walk again. Yeah. Four weeks until I didn't look like a grandma. Like I could stand up straight and it didn't wow. hurt to sit up by myself. Um, I didn't like wince every time I would cough or sneeze. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a fun recovery. That's for dang sure. You know, it's, yeah, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish a C-section on my worst enemy. Um, it's wow. yeah, it's for me, Personally, and having experienced both, um, I can tell you a vaginal birth was like, I mean, I literally was like jumping out of bed, like walking around um, right after. It was it was amazing. It was incredible. But you, you asked me about their personalities. And I will tell you this, like most natural birth babies that I know and I've followed up with me, um, my oldest... Um, natural birth that I helped is, is three. And I've watched her journey and she's just like the sweetest, calmest little kid. Um, but most of the moms that I help that have traumatic first births and redemption births, they will literally text me and say, Oh my gosh, this baby like sleeps like a champ. Wow. is so quiet and calm and that so is that's an, that's another thing like it's so yeah. crazy what you're saying i'm sorry i sorry to interrupt but no. what you're saying is is that like exactly what i said i'm gonna open it because i always have my bible with me on the yeah. show you know because i'm a bible thumping <laughs> um but it says that the woman will experience her curse is that she experiences pain during childbirth yeah and uh, to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your suffering and, and your childbearing. In pain, you shall bear children. Your craving shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. 
But this this concept that in pain that that God gave pain to the woman, let's say she tries to obfuscate the pain and do it some other way. I mean, imagine one moment of pain versus having a child that doesn't sleep for the first eight months, ten months of that's pain. Not sleeping for ten months is pain. Yeah. You know, and that's not to say that women that have natural, beautiful childbirth don't have babies that, you know, don't sleep through the night. It's just right. their demeanor is a lot to me. I, what I've witnessed is the demeanor alone. It, they're just very calm, happy babies. You don't see like the constantly colicky, crying babies that are born in home birth. Like usually the home birth babies tend to be very like happy and calm and, you know, good eaters and decent. I also sleepers. think that it's probably important that the baby doesn't move, like getting in a car, coming home from the hospital. I mean, that's like a, that's like going to Africa and back. Yeah. I mean, like it in must Korea, be exhausting. the first 40 days, it's a very, it's a very, um, important part of their culture. You know, the first 40 days, um, you know, it's just the family unit. It's just mom, dad, baby. Um, you know, they have warm broths and, and there's like a food diet that they follow. And, you know, you don't have a bunch of people over to pass the baby around because that can also be pretty like, you know, jarring to a newborn baby just to get so past no guests. people. Yeah. You just, it's very much so like stay in bed and rest and bond with baby. And it's just, it's super important. Those first 40 days of life, you know? So mm. yeah, I do find that, um, a mom who, who, you know, has a birth in a hospital versus a mom who has a, a birth at home tends to have, you know, the, the home baby, um, tends to just be a little bit more calmer and at ease and zend out as so to speak. Um, yeah, it's, there's definitely a difference and I've, and I've seen it cause I do help women have hospital births and I do. How help many women births have, have you done? Uh, 64 currently. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you got your C-section, you were messed up, total recovery time. Not a month to be able to walk again. Total recovery time. What was it? I mean, I still kind of feel like I'm recovering from my C-section. The scar wow. feels weird. Like when I, oh, did I just choke you? Sorry. The scar feels strange. Like I can't touch that area of my stomach. Like it just feels weird. Like wow. the nerve endings never completely healed back together. Wow. Um, so it, it just feels really strange. Like I don't like anybody touching my stomach there. It's just very, very strange. That's, um, just, that's so traumatic. Yeah. I mean, the body holds trauma too. So I've, I've had to try to, you know, do what about women who go for reconstructive surgery after, after birth? What is that about? What do you mean? Like on their vagina? <laughs> they do the vaginal reconstruction or a C-section. They do a reconstruction with liposuction or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like they do like the tummy tucks after they yeah. have that. I mean, you know, to each his own. It's like Just if find they, a man who will love your body the way it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I feel like, you know, it's 
you're having a baby. Like you're, you're getting this beautiful thing out of it. Like if, if your ego is more important, you know, maybe you should look deeper before having children because mm. you, you have to be pretty emotionally intelligent and, and have a, a very low ego in order to be a really um, present parent for your child, you know? Mm. Um, it's <laughs> selflessness um, is, you know, number one. So having, having an ego, if you're, you know, I just, I, yeah, I mean, California has what the highest rate of C-sections and I wonder why that is. Do women just like not want a baby to come out of their vagina? And so they're opting to have a C-section. I don't know, but you know, or is it because it's illegal to have a breech baby in California? You know, it's like they, illegal. Yeah. I mean like, what's yeah. a breech baby? Um, when the feet are first. So when why, they're not, why is that illegal? Why? You're saying it's actually illegal? I have to like look it up, but I mean, from a lot of the podcasts that I follow, they're not allowed to deliver breech babies, especially in like home birth. I don't know. So I'd have to like look up that statistic, but I'm almost positive that California is very strict on breech birth. Hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. Look it That's up. the benefit of having a computer handy while we do this yeah. show. Look it up. Can you, can you deliver, to... can you deliver breach vaginally in California? Is it legal to deliver breach vaginally? Okay. Breached position and breached birth. New law gives midwives more rights. Allows. Oh, that's 2014. Okay. Oh my God. Activist protest hospitals, vaginal birth breach. It's a, in hospitals, breached birth delivery ban. Yeah, they're not allowed to. Yeah. So if, you have a, if you're with an OBGYN and your baby is not head down by 34 weeks, then you have to schedule a C-section in California. Now, there's an amazing OBGYN that I follow um, on Instagram. His, his name is uh, Dr. Stuart Fishburn at birthing instincts um him and a midwife from california they have a podcast called birthing instincts and what he does he was an OBGYN for and he is for years and years and years um and he kind of switched to home birth because he's an OBGYN that does home birth um because he he does breech birth and twin births because a lot of times in twin birth the second baby will turn breech um, so if you have twins in California, you're, you're most likely they not say that they will sue you. This is crazy. Yeah. Why would they do California, something? They're amazing. That... <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So you get sued if you have a breech birth. Correct. You get and sued. There's, there's, an, what, there's a, uh, uh, an advocacy group I just found called breach without borders. Yes. Yep. Here, I'll share the, yeah, I'll share my screen. And also if people really want like a great, um, podcast or somebody to follow on Instagram, birthing instincts, they're amazing. Like I said, it's a, it's a midwife and OB why these pictures aren't and they, they really talk about a lot about what you and I are talking about right uh -huh. now. Um, they have years and years and years and years of experience though. So, um, they have a podcast that goes in depth on like all of the topics that we're talking about. This is so um, fascinating. Emmy, we're going to have to do a whole series on this cause 
I could go for a long time. This is so fascinating <laughs> to me. So you okay. have the business of being born and just what like, is it called? The business of being born. Um, okay. Ricky Lake is the executive producer on that. They just came out with the business of birth control too. But the business of being born was a documentary um, that opened a lot of people's eyes. It's what it's what a lot of people watch before the business they of being birth. born. The business of being born. Yep. You got to think who sits around in that room and they're like, I got a bit great business idea. We're going to. Um, okay. So getting back to the story. Yeah. So you're still recovering from your C-section, which was two years ago. Uh, over three, a little over three, a little over three years ago. You never quite fully healed. And then what happened to you after your C-section? You went crazy on homework. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Um, so I got um, certified as a childbirth educator. So in doing that, you just you really learn about the physiology. So at, what were you doing before? You weren't a doula before this. You just, you were I drawn. was a doula, but I had only witnessed like amazing births. <laughs> I hadn't uh -huh. seen a traumatic birth. Let yet. alone your own. Correct. And okay. so I thought like, oh, well, they can do it. I can do it. You know, yeah. um, and I hadn't done that many. Um, before I had my own birth, um, which, you know, that's wow. another thing. If you're going to have a doula, can you know, people like, die from a C-section? Oh yeah. I mean, we have, ha have people uh, died from C-section fetal mortality rate for a reason. I, and our C-section rate is over 30% in the country. So, you know, if, if that has anything to do with it, the fact that, you know, 30% of women that are going in to have birth are, are getting cut open and having major abdominal surgery. And I will, I, I didn't get to say this. I will tell you most of the time it's postpartum where a lot of the problems happen. It's after they have the C-section and that's because they don't wait to wow. eat until they're I just Googled, I just Googled the U S has the highest C-section rate in the world. And we're the third um, from the bottom as far wow. as infant and fetal mortality, or third from the top, shall I say, of infant and fetal mortality rate in the world. So it's it's pretty insane um, that people and you know home birth only makes up for like one to two percent of births that are happening in the country. So the statistics. Oh my God! Check this out. Listen, I was just in. Whoa, I just had a conversation. I'm going to share the screen. I was just having a conversation with somebody about this. How risky are cesarean sections? This week's an inquest found France Computer 30 year primary school died unnecessarily when a cesarean section went wrong. The evidence is mixed. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists estimate that there are about four maternal deaths for every 100,000 women after vaginal deliveries compared to 13 in 100,000 after cesarean sections. Mm -hmm. It's more than triple mm -hmm. the amount of deaths due to cesarean session section than vaginal birth. So that literally just shoots that out of the sky right there. Mm -hmm. The C-sections are much more dangerous than vaginal birth. Mm -hmm. I, because before we went into this show, I asked a bunch of women what they thought. And some women were telling me that C-sections are, are safer. I can't imagine why pulling someone's intestines and organs out of their body is going to be a safer alternative. That 
blows my freaking mind. Yeah. <sighs> but anyway, where the death happens, and that's and like I said, that's the ileus that happens, which is that's which crazy. Is when your intestines shut down and they stop working, which mm -hmm. creates like a whole cascade of things. They also give you um, a spirometer. Whenever you, is that what they're called? Whenever you get into postpartum where you're supposed to like blow and like work on your lungs, you have to like try to, because if after a major surgery, a major abdominal surgery, when you're laying down, you can get fluid in your lungs, mm. right? So you're supposed to be given um, the machine to, to blow and, you know, work on your lungs so that you don't get fluid built in your lungs. And then you're also supposed to wait to eat solid this foods. This is so crazy. But they don't tell a lot of people this after they have these major major surgeries. And that's what happened with me. I ended up getting fluid in my lungs because I had the, spir the spirometer or whatever it's called <laughs> in the room. But nobody ever gave it to me and said, do these exercises. It was just sitting there. Like, how am I supposed to know, like, what that is or how to use it? And then secondly, they I asked them, I was like, when can I eat? Like, am I supposed to eat? And they were like, oh, yeah, you can order whatever you want. And so I just had, like, I was like, I'll do something soft, like scrambled eggs and toast. Well, my intestines were completely asleep. They weren't working. So did they take your intestines out of you for the C-section? I don't know. I didn't ask. I just know that they were messed with. I mean, they were definitely, like, pushed to the side or whatever. And so what happens to the human body whenever you mess with things is it'll just, like, yeah. almost working for a hot minute, you know? Yeah, so and plus the intestines, they have, like, a tract, you know, and once they have their position – yeah. That you want to stay in the position and moving them to a different position. Like th imagine the food taking a new route and the body has like a memory, you yeah. know, to be ex excremented. And the craziest thing, I study a lot of natural medicine yeah. and um, actually I have the book right there. Uh, oh. Digestion and elimination are the, are the two most vital things for healing of the body. Oh yeah. So if you mess with digestion, uh, it really messes with people's immunities. Yeah. So, um, okay. So you, uh, you were studying the C-section. Yeah. Let's continue oh, the I, story. I went, down, I went down a rabbit hole. Of Tell us about child. the rabbit hole. Yeah. Childbirth. I mean, I just learned about all the different interventions, the cascade of interventions that happens and what risks are associated with each intervention. So when you learn about the risks with each intervention, you kind of start realizing like, Intervention-free birth is the safest birth, right? And then there is a purpose for certain interventions. Like there are some that will help you along in labor if the time and the moment and the, the situation presents itself, right? There is a time and a place to do a cervical check. There is a time and a place to do these things that can be helpful. Um, but for the most part, the more hands-off that you can be in birth and trusting and all of that, but also leading up to your birth, getting your body, really treating your body like a temple when you're pregnant and, and preparing it for labor. So diet, exercise, you know, nutrition, um, yoga, um, getting your body, you know, just kind of ready to do the movements that it needs to do in labor, but also getting the baby in the right position. So then I went down what's called, um, getting certified for spinning babies. So spinning babies is a practice that 
um, really helps get the baby in the right position. So I got certified in spinning babies and, um, yeah, I just, I went down the rabbit hole for like breastfeeding and just all the things. Cause with C-section, um, a lot of the women will have issues breastfeeding after having a C-section. And those are, you know, women that I was helping, they just weren't producing and I didn't produce. It took me like 12 days before I got breast milk. I had to like pump and pump and pump and pump and pump. And I'm so glad I didn't give up. But a lot of women will just give up, you know, and then just, oh, I can do formula. Formula is easier. Um, but, you know, having a major surgery and the baby not coming out of your vagina, that tells your, gives your body mixed signals. So some women, yeah, they can produce milk easily after having a C-section. But a lot of women, it's hard for that too. So then I went down and um, got my breastfeeding counselor certification. And then I did an advanced lactation certification. And then I got thousands of more hours in lactation because I just realized how important breastfeeding is for the babies. Like talk about vaccines versus breastfeeding, like breastfeeding gives them antibodies to anything they come in contact with. And then breastfed babies are way healthier than formula fed babies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, way healthier. I was a uh, formula fed baby. That's why I'm retarded kind of. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Were you really a formula fed baby? I was. Supposedly I wouldn't latch. It mm -hmm. there's a, a story in the hospital. They kept me in the hospital for a couple of days because I wouldn't latch. And uh no. it, it whatever the case. There was a miracle associated to it. I don't have to get in. It sounds like a little bit of a sounds like hocus pocus, but whatever. Let's get hocus pocus. Let's get hocus pocus. I mean, pocus. Then I'm like, so I'm I was like... in the hospital for a couple days. I wouldn't latch. In the middle of the night, a male nurse brought me in to my mother, feeding me a bottle. And my mother said, this is what my mother tells me. She says, the male nurse brought me in, feeding me a bottle. And the, the words he said to my mother was, he's ready to eat now. And so she gave me uh, the. My mother said thank you. The next morning, uh, you know, my mother wanted to thank uh, to to give. My mother's really sweet. She's a wonderful woman. She's always looking out for people. She asked the doctor, you know, who was the male nurse that brought in the child. There was no male nurse in the ward on that night. Stop. So Elijah the prophet, I don't know, but something. I, I am a special one, so we shall see. But but that's the story. That is like literally one of the stories of my birth. Um, that true story, and uh, didn't exaggerate one bit. Unless my mother's lying to me, which I doubt, because my mother never lies to me. But that's what happened, and uh, yeah, that's the story. So um, so did you vaccinate your children? Let's go. Let's let's pivot into vaccines. I mean, my, my breast milk is their vaccines and my, I can tell you my three-year-old has maybe been sick twice and that was RSV, which is like really scary in babies. And it lasted for like a day with her. She was breastfeeding and mm. then she had, um, so breastfeeding heals babies. So if they get sick, the breast milk will heal the child. You're saying, right. So there is something that's called spit backwash theory, um, which means the second that the saliva hits the nipple of the breast, it signals, it sends a signal into the breast of 
has that child come into contact with the virus? Mm. Um, what kind of virus is it? And then it immediately tells the breast milk to start creating antibodies to that particular virus. I'm telling you, vaccines are atheism. They're the antithesis. God created everything, you know, and every everybody goes into like the polio argument. They're like, do you want your kid to get polio? Polio is eradicated by vaccines and we don't have polio because that was 100 years ago. Nobody alive today lived through polio. And also, I mean, polio, like people were swimming in like dirty water and who's to say that like they didn't get polio from that? Like, who knows? I know. And it's so it's so crazy that they like that the majority of the world thinks that or the the vax, the pro vax world thinks that, you know, well, with rudimentary diagnostic tactics, they knew exactly what caused polio. I remember well, growing up, they said polio is caused by being out in the rain. That like God made the rain so toxic that like if you're in the rain, you're going to get polio and be a cripple. And I remember watching a black and white movie growing up where the kid gets polio because he's out playing in the rain, you know, and, and I honestly just cannot believe I don't believe that. I do not believe in that modern myth. I think it's, yeah. uh, you know, there is no polio. You know, okay, so we eradicated polio. Why do we still need to take polio vaccines? We, nobody's I mean, I got polio. Just, I can speak to, you know, the community that I hang out with. Um, you know, where most of my friends are rel relatively not vaccinating their children. But, you know, my child is very healthy. So, like I said, she's maybe been sick twice, and it was like each time it lasted for like a day. Um and she's never had like ear infections or anything like that, which most three-year-olds, by the time they're three, they you, your kid has had an ear infection or two. Um, but she was speaking full sentences by the time she was 14 months old, like full sentences. Um, she was walking at 10 months old. Um, she is, I, um, you know, I, I do homeschooling type stuff with her now and she's surpassed pre-K. So now she's into like kindergarten stuff. She's spelling three letter words and things like that. I mean, as a three-year-old, she's spelling cat, dog, mom, dad, bat, mat, you know, whatever. And then I have. My three-year-old, my the first words that my three-year-old is going to say is, I can't say this, it's too much. <laughs> Screw the I government. Wasn't I wasn't going to use the word screw. Yeah. I was going to use a different word, but we got a baby here. I can't cuss in front of a baby. <laughs> oh, my God. The other day, my, my three-year-old said her first word, first, like, cuss word. Um, she dropped something, and she goes, God damn it. And I was like, and my husband and I looked at each other, and we were like, what did you just say? And she's like, God damn it. And I was like, what? Where did you get that? Because – we don't say that. And then I dropped something like two days later and I said, God damn it. My husband goes, that's where she got it from. And I was like, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that was, that was we don't vaccinate our children. We're not doing anything like that. Yeah. It's crazy too, because like they inject babies with so many chemicals. Well, I can tell you, I don't know any nonverbal unvaccinated kids. If that non, says anything. Uh -huh. so I know, like, they just I, did this hearing. They just did this like, hearing in the House of Representatives where they were looking for the causes of autism, and they did a study on the Amish community that doesn't vaccinate, 
and there's not a single cause of autism in the entire Amish community. There's not yeah. one case of autism. There's not any nonverbal children. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just really sad whenever I see on Facebook, I mean, this has happened. This is a true story on Facebook that um, I see a mom and she's like, you know, picture of her and baby. And she's like, oh, baby doesn't feel good. Had its shots today, blah, blah, blah. Lots of cuddles and hugs. And I think to myself, I'm like, you're basically like praising the fact that you just made your child feel like crap, right? You and got then, your kids sick trying to protect it. And then this the is road the to hell is paved with truths in here. Good intentions. True story. Then like four days later, a post on Facebook about how they were in the emergency room all night because they're, wow. they found their kid blue in the crib having seizures. And so the doctors diagnosed us with epilepsy and literally like, I'm like four days ago, you posted on Facebook that your child just got its shots and now they're having seizures and the doctor's saying that it's epilepsy. It's did you, did you tell them? I mean, no, <laughs> I, I, you can't, you, I mean, if I did that to everyone, it's like, yeah, I you'd can't have no friends. No, yeah. but it, it is true. It's like, it, it blows my mind how these people, they don't are, aren't able to just put one and one together. It's like, has to be some genetic thing from like six generations ago, you know, recessive genes, Correct. those four month old epileptic babies, you know, Correct. I mean, like, it makes it, me sick. Ugh. I mean, if you look at SIDS, right? So sudden infant death syndrome, if you look at that, like SIDS, babies happened just to one of my very, very, very close friends. Hmm. SIDS, SIDS, uh, SIDS death. Yeah. I love a shallow. May the memory of his daughter be a blessing. No, I'm so sorry about that. Mm. It's, you know, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing that happens. A lot of cases are discovered when the baby is four months old and it's usually within a few weeks of getting their shots, you know, mm -hmm. four months is a very common time for SIDS. You know, it's and crazy that it's just so crazy. The whole thing is yeah. so crazy. Yeah. But I, I mean, just don't understand why God would even bother creating us. And what did we do until vaccines? We just like barely survived through the dark ages. I mean, like it, I understand that the world was gross and that there's diseases. And I think that the best way to protect your children is to keep them sheltered. Don't let your, <laughs> like, make sure your floors are always clean, mm -hmm. right? Like, don't mm -hmm. let your baby walk around on a dirty floor or else they're going to get sick. They're going to put, like, you know, don't walk in the house with your shoes on after you just walked in the streets where dogs were pooping and all sorts of stuff. You know, like shoes off in the house, keep the house sanitary and like mm -hmm. nurture your baby until your baby has enough of an immune system that they could go, you know, touch something gross and stick it in their mouth and not get sick from it. <laughs> I mean, there's there's something to be said with playing in the dirt. Right. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of bacteria that that's good in the dirt. There you go. Yeah. There's a lot of bacteria that's in dirt and things like that. That's like good for developing our immune system. Right. 
Um, and, and I'm not saying, you know, hey, vaccines cause this. I'm just I saying. I am. I really think that they do. I think that it's very difficult to, it's very difficult to kill a human. Very difficult to kill a human. Yeah. And humans are incredibly astounding creatures that bounce back from ailment and disease time after time. And so there's a lot of people that appear to be normal, but, you know, it's kind of like the spider knows how to build a web the second it's, it's born. There's yeah. so much that humans, I believe, that we're capable of that we never truly get to experience because I think that the vaccines block us out. Like, I think all humans are capable of telepathy and psychic abilities, but I, I truly believe that the vaccines are blotting out human psychic abilities and dumbing us down and making us so basic and stupid that like we just literally live to work. Yeah. Like we were like as if our the greatest thing we could do is is work for somebody else. And 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 most humans on earth that is the greatest thing that they do with the limited amount of time that God gives them is go work for somebody else doing a job that they hate to be able to buy something that they don't even truly enjoy that's not even going to last forever. Yeah. You know, so... I can blow your mind right now. When babies are born, they can crawl. Newborn babies can crawl to hmm. the breast and find the breast and breastfeed without you even helping them. They know where the breast is? So if you Google the newborn breast crawl... A newborn baby will literally crawl up a woman's stomach to the breast, find the breast, and start breastfeeding all on its own. They call it a breast crawl. And um, it's fascinating to watch. Huh. They have survival instincts the second that they're born. The breast crawl. Mm-hmm. Did you know your newborn was capable of this? That's nuts. Yeah. And they, they say, like, that's why, like, a woman's nipples get darker in pregnancy because so the babies can really only see, like, black and white. They like see, a honing like, device. Mm-hmm. So they say, like, the nipples become what darker. What helps the breast crawl happen? Smell, sight, taste, hearing, touch. Yes. So if you mess with any of those senses, if you mess with the smell, with the with the sight, so, like, they put the erythro erythromycin, the, the antibi antibiotic uh, eye cream on baby's eyes when they're born, that's for gonorrhea and chlamydia, by the way. The Unless you have gonorrhea or chlamydia, you don't need to put that ointment on your baby's eyes. Um, this is so scary. Put that on their eyes and it causes blurry vision and it, and it, affects, it affects a baby's bonding with mom. Like a baby can't like bond with mom when their vision is... What blows my mind is that they actually think that the baby comes out and needs things in order to survive. Like, I, like you, you, you go into the woods and uh, you go into the woods and a coyote or a wolf or a lion literally will just birth their child right there or any animal just birth their child in a freaking pile of dirt. And the child comes out. It's a fully healthy lion. It's a fully healthy, but humans like, like God wasn't kind to us also like that's where the atheism comes into play with all of this. It's, it's very atheistic because it's, it's saying that God provides everybody their, their needs, but humans, you know, we need this medical cream. We need this ointment. We need this vaccine. We need this supplement. We need the, you know, the, it, it that is the atheistic tendency inside of these things. 
And it's not, and people will say that, oh, that they're not atheists. They just want to do what's best. The act of doing it is the act of atheism. It's, it's abdicating prayer. And, and I'm not one of those people that think you cure everything through prayer either. I'm not one of those idiots. You know, even though everything truly starts in prayer, it's not an idiot. Every, you have to pray in order to heal. But, but to think that, that, that like humans are born inept or incomplete and that other humans have to develop something in a laboratory that could complete God's handiwork is basically saying that God is not as God is a fallible creature. God is incomplete. They're yeah. saying that God doesn't have the ability to per, to create. He didn't create us whole that yeah. we're somehow lacking in some specific way. And that in and of itself is a tremendous declaration of atheism. Yeah, I tell women, sorry, I tell women all the time, you know, when doctors are telling you like, oh, your baby's looking really big, you know, I'm like, well, do you think God would have created your body to produce a baby that's bigger than you can birth? Because that's not what happens. You can, if your body produces a nine pound baby, then your body is made to birth a nine pound baby. Like, you're not gonna, if a, if a mm. mastiff mates with a, a French bulldog, you know, and the, and the French bulldog is the mom, and, you know, she's not going to produce mastiff sized puppies. She's going to produce huh. puppies that fit through a bulldog hoo-hoo, <laughs> you know, like, you're, yeah. you're not, you that's know, there's such a there's, deep point. There, I mean, that's there's part six, of the miracle of, men. that's part of the miracle of creation. Yeah. I mean, and when people don't honor that, they abdicate God's supremacy in the world. Just the, not trusting your body and not trusting like the wisdom of your baby and your body and the miracle of it working together because it's, that's what birth is. It's like, it and I can only imagine that that causes problems in the actual relationship itself between mother and child, because yeah. the child is like it, the relationship starts with the mother at, uh, what's the word abdicating yeah. trust in it, in the child, you know, trusting the doctors more, you know, like the kind of like what we were talking about with the epidural that it kind of puts, you know, more emphasis on the mother's comfort than the baby's comfort. And as a parent, your baby comes first. A parent would lay down their life and die for their child. But in pregnancy, we're going to do what's best for the mother and not the baby. You know, that blows my mind a little bit. So I find with education, like if you can educate someone on the risks associated with things, you know, like, hey, yeah. OK, I understand that you want an epidural, but like, let me tell you the risks that are associated with an epidural. Right. Like that might open the eyes to that mother that's wanting the epidural. Right. And it's the same thing with like breastfeeding. Like I, I am in my breastfeeding course, like the whole first episode is the benefits of breastfeeding. Why do I make an entire episode of that? Because breastfeeding is hard. Truthfully, I feel like breastfeeding is harder than having a baby. Cause it's like, you're basically giving your body to this human for, you know, however long you choose to breastfeed. Right. And it becomes frustrating. And so you have to remember the benefits of breastfeeding your child in order to keep you going. Right. So mm -hmm. when you're in labor, you know, make the decisions that you want, but be educated enough 
to understand that with each decision that you make, there's going to be risk, right? And if you're okay with the risk, then you might maybe experience a little bit less trauma if it happens to you because you understood that you made that decision and somebody didn't force you into that decision mm -hmm. because being forced into doing something that you're either ignorant about or that you don't want to do, um, that is what causes trauma in, in my opinion, like finding out in hindsight that like, oh my gosh, somebody violated me so much by convincing me that this was so safe for me and my baby. And it ended up in trauma you know, to me, that's more than if you are super educated and you're able to actually like have a conversation with your provider and say, okay, look, maybe instead of Pitocin, can I hook myself up to a breast pump for 20 minutes? Because that can release oxytocin in the body. You know, there's alternatives to, to things that you can do. And if you're educated enough, then you can have an honest conversation with your OBGYN or with your midwife. And you can say, look, I'm educated in this and I actually don't want to do that because you do have the right to say no to things when you're in childbirth. Um, and, you know, just have that alternative ready and be able to advocate for yourself. But it's really hard when you're actually laboring. So that is why it's super important for the men, for the partner, for the husband to be just as educated in this. You know, it's not the mom that should just take the childbirth class. It's the dad, too. Like, you should understand what your wife's body is going through and how you can also help advocate for her while she's in childbirth. So that mm. the outcome of her and your your baby, you know, is the best that it can possibly be. This episode is dedicated to the woman I have a child with. Baby, Yay! I got you. I got you. <laughs> we're learning and we're not going to stop learning. Such a good partner and such a good dad. Uh, and so you could come back anytime. <laughs> no, but seriously, you are going to be coming back because I have, uh, we're approaching the hour and a half mark, which cool. is kind of like the red zone. I started actually realizing that people watch my episodes more when they're over an hour and a half than them when they're an hour. I always thought like, oh, you know, like an hour episode, people get kind of bored after an hour but i was wrong people actually the longer the episodes the higher viewership i actually get ironically but i think the hour and a half that 90 minute mark is kind of like a sweet spot for me um 90 yeah. to two hours there's a couple topics that i want to go over with you and uh, it merits another visit to the show for a sequel um i want to talk about um the healing process in order to not be forced to succumb to a second c-section because your second child was vaginal birth i know you have an entire practice dedicated to teaching yeah. women how to heal from c-sections properly so that they can go back to vaginal birth yeah. um i also want to talk about you know the man uh, what men can do and the and the male role in this whole process and uh and i also want to talk about post-birth like the first day the first week the first month the first year yeah. Um, and so I, I would love to invite you back and have another episode where we could really dive into those topics and continue where yeah. we left off. Love um, it. I want to be fair to the viewers and not drag this episode out too long. But um, if anybody is, um, you know, expecting or will be expecting and they want a really good childbirth education course that's going to teach them about these interventions and how to advocate for themselves. I do have 
um, a childbirth education course on my website and it's mm -hmm. very, very affordable compared to a lot of other, and it will, it will absolutely prepare you and your partner to advocate for yourselves, whether you're doing home birth or hospital birth, because you never know, you might have yeah. to transfer, you might end up in a hospital and you might have to know how to advocate for yourself. And I really um, am passionate about teaching. That. And I'd like to get, we could get into that too in our next episode, um, yeah. the advocating process and, and, yeah. and how to advocate and how to, and how to do this. I really want to focus on what I as a man should do. We covered yeah. a lot on the story. I think your story is very important. Because a lot of people, women and hu their husbands can relate to uh, being in an emergency dire situation. And the question is, is what do you do? Yeah. And, and in this case, you know, there are, it does seem like there are severe consequences for your children if you make the wrong move. And it start and parenting starts at birth. So, you know, the food you eat the the medicines you take the chemicals yeah. you put into your body they all affect the baby and mm -hmm. the baby's consciousness so um yeah. it's a very important show very important topic uh before we close out the segment can you share with us some words and uh, uh what you want to leave us off with until part do yeah i mean just trust your body that it was created to um have a baby naturally and yeah just get educated get educated get educated it's power education is power i feel so much more empowered yay to have a child now love that word too <laughs> just going through 90 minutes with emmy robbins i feel so much more empowered as a man to do what's right for my future family. I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I didn't even get to plug InfoWars store, but I will just say, click this QR code right here, right there. Go to InfoWarsStore.com, buy anything, support the InfoWar, a anything you could possibly do. We should actually be selling your courses on the InfoWarsStore.com. That would be yeah. awesome. It would be <laughs> awesome. That would be a yeah. great thing for InfoWars store. You know, we can average, it's just a course. I mean, we're going to have to get with our mutual friends over at Infowars and, and plug that one. But I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Um, there's so much. We're going to schedule this within the night, within the month, within the month. You're coming back. Deal. Deal. Okay. Cause this is so vital. This is the revolution. And you know, I had Matt Baker on last episode and like in my monologue, I was talking about, like how the revolution is always like so guns blazing, you know, we're always like, who's the evil? We're busting Fauci. We're busting fate gates. We're busting all these people and the death shots and this, and it's so dark and it's so heavy. It requires so much intensity. It requires so much focus. And that goes over so many people's heads who just want to live their lives because they feel life is short. And so in my monologue, in the episode, I, I, I gave this speech about remembering what life is about before evil took over and before we had to combat evil. And here at InfoWars, we are the tip of the spear. We literally wake up to fight evil every day. We're Batman in the modern age. And so, like, I remind our listeners, and that's why it's important to do episodes like this, because the revolution is not just about defeating evil. The revolution is about elevating ourselves spiritually, 
elevating ourselves consciously, making the right decisions that's going to produce the best results for our short amount of time and for our children and for our families that we have here on this earth. You know, we only get 120 years here, so we, we have to make the right moves. And that's why these episodes are so important. And they also help us win the culture war. You know, there's so much about these type of informative meetings that are so much more important at times than the, than the actual battle itself. You know, once the battle's over, then what do you do? You don't yeah. go right back to, you know, vaccinating your kids after we defeat the evil vax empire. You know, you gotta, <laughs> ma- you gotta make necessary changes. Yeah. And, and, and there is something about getting back to the roots and getting back to the basics and natural births and home births yeah. are, are, are very inspirational to me. I'm very inspired by this concept of getting back to that humanity that, and Alex talks about this on his show all the time. We're here for a pro-humanist future. So what does it look like, the optimalization of humanity? And that involves nurture and love and family and joy and, and positivity. And those are things missing on the battlefield. The battlefield yeah. is filled with blood and guts and gore. Yeah. You know, it's outside of the battlefield that we evolve. And so, yeah. again, I want to thank you for coming here and, and the, the supplemental revolution, you know, that, that is needed for us to build healthy societies. And you're yeah. coming back. We'll we'll schedule okay. within the month. Love it. Thanks. Absolutely. Emmy Robin, everybody. Emmy Robin Dula at Instagram. EmmyRobinDula.com. She is a superstar. And we just begun. I want to exp- uh, tell all of our audience, leave questions in the comments or email info at theadamkingshow.com. Or you can, if, if you have a problem, just theadamkingshow at gmail.com. It'll go straight to the box. Email us all your questions for Emmy for when she comes back and we will actually open up a segment where we could take uh, uh, questions from the audience on what to do and, and, and really get to the bottom of this. We can make it a regular thing because birth is a regular thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> Emmy, I appreciate you very much and I'll see you soon. Bye. All right, InfoWars. You heard it first on the Adam King Show. You stay classy. Peace. really, really appreciate you, especially as a male um, podcast host, being super open to discussing this topic, because I do think the more men that are educated on this, because a lot of guys just think, oh, it's, you know, this is a woman's topic. Like, why am I even learning about this? Like the wife is going to go in and have the baby. Why do I need to know anything? You know? And it's like, well, you're, you're the, you're the protector. Like the women need these husbands. You are, you know, you're the, you're the strength, you're the protector of the, of your wife, you know, and it's, and, and.